Hello, thanks for tuning in again. I started rolling tape at one second in the morning, precisely, on Thursday, the 17th of December, 2020. And you are listening to Crash, Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, the UK podcast for the culture geek technology nerds and creative wizard. This is episode 350. And this is one of those revisit episodes where I talk about a specific thing. And as I have been doing for years now, that specific thing is Doctor Who. Tonight we are going to be talking about the story, The Brain of Morbius. But before we do that, let's just talk a bit about the state of the pod so far. First of all, I'm no longer calling it the state of the pod, because it's starting to bother me. I'm just going to call it the journal. And so this is the first journal entry. In the last pod, the non-revisit pod, where I was just talking about the usual geek stuff, I had a bit of a problem at the beginning, and that was some line hiss. I had trouble finding it. In fact, I couldn't find it at all, and I had to go through the whole episode with this hiss in the background that I removed in post, but that isn't the best option. It wasn't, as I previously thought, phantom power cooking my mixer, because I've been using an external preamp. No, it was something completely different. It was a line crossing my mic cable. I'm still not sure whether that line was electrical or audio, but untangling Mike One's cable from the spaghetti-fied mess under my desk did the trick. The point I'm eventually getting round to is that if anyone tells you crossed lines leading to hiss is a myth, they are completely wrong. Of course, if you're not into audio or a podcaster, that tiny bit of information will be completely useless. And so let's just go on with the pod. As usual, let's start off with some notes. Tom Baker is the fourth Doctor in The Brain of Morbius, his companion. Sarah Jane Smith is played by Elizabeth Slarden. This story was directed by Christopher Barry. The writer was a non-person called Robin Bland because this story was written by Terence Dix and then rewritten by Robert Holmes, who seems to do a lot of rewriting. Well, he is a script editor. The producer is Philip Hinchcliffe, and this is story four of season 13, following the android invasion which we covered in episode 347 of Crash. The Brain of Morbius consisted of four 25-minute episodes and was first broadcast from the 3rd of January to the 24th of January 1976. The Brain of Morbius was also the first story of 1976. As I am increasingly angry about doing, let's do On This Day in the UK, and I really hate doing this. 
I really don't want to do it anymore. I think I said I wouldn't do it last time, and here I am doing it again. I don't know why that is. It must be OCD. Take it from me. I don't think anything of import happened on the first day of broadcast, the 3rd of January, 1976. Let's just move on to the audio clip, and then I'll tell you what happens. Roll the audio clip. Well, the craniums do narrow, the cerebrum undeveloped. That is an insect! Even a half-witted cannibal like you can see it won't do! But the, the big head's not come, Master. Not to con. What do you mean? The elixir no longer forms. The sacred flame dies. How can it? He is destroyed. We owe you thanks, Doctor. Oh, but please, Ohikia, please. No speeches of gratitude. Sarah and I have an engagement. We have? Come along. Thank you, Ohika. All right, then. I hope you enjoyed that clip. Let's talk about what happens. On a strange alien planet, an insectoid alien is stalked and then murdered by a large lurching humanoid. We will come to know this humanoid as a henchman called Kondo. He takes the head of the alien and then goes back to the castle, which contains the laboratory of his master, Mahendri Solon. Solon is angry and says that the head is unsuitable. The TARDIS materialises, and we find out that we're on Khan. The Doctor believes that they have been diverted to Khan by the Time Lords. He sulks and refuses to explore with Sara despite her encouragement. While exploring, Sara finds a spaceship graveyard and a headless body. The Doctor then joins her, and they head for the castle. At the castle, they meet Solon and Kondo. Elsewhere on Khan, the Sisterhood of Khan recovers the TARDIS using their highly developed psionic powers to teleport it into their temple. Recognising the TARDIS as a device of the Time Lords, they suspect that the Doctor has been sent by the Time Lords to steal their dwindling supply of the Elixir of Life, a substance that bestows immortality. Back at the castle, the Doctor recognises Solon from history as a renowned microsurgeon, and also recognises a bust of Morbius, an evil Time Lord. Solon feigns friendliness as he wishes to procure the Doctor's head. And so he drugs the Doctor and Sara, but the Doctor soon vanishes. He reawakens at the temple where he is to be sacrificed, but is rescued by Sara, who is temporarily blinded during the escape. They return to the castle where Solon says Sara's blindness may be permanent, 
And so the Doctor returns to the temple to ask the Sisterhood if he can use some of the elixir to restore Sarah's sight. The hole in the wall with the sacred flame wherein the elixir is produced is dying, but the Doctor fixes it by unblocking the natural gas fissure with a firework. (laughs) At the castle, the disembodied brain of Morbius, which is in a jar, panics when it learns that the Doctor is a Time Lord, and Morbius demands to be transferred into an artificial brain case and transplanted onto a monstrous headless body made of alien victims who were wrecked on Khan. At first, Solon argues and says that the brain case is a malfunctioning prototype, but his master, Morbius, insists. The Doctor and Sara return to the castle, where they become trapped in a room. Knowing that Solon and Morbius were previously locked in another room by Sara, the Doctor makes up a cyanide gas and releases it into the ventilation system, which poisons Solon. The effect, however, has no effect on Morbius because of the alien organs the Morbius creature contains. But after a mind-bending duel with the Doctor, Morbius flees and is soon driven off a cliff by the Sisterhood. The story ends with the Doctor leaving the Sisters with a couple of fireworks to restart the Sacred Flame in future. And then the TARDIS leaves them in a puff of firework smoke. Let's move on to what I thought. First of all, I really do remember seeing this the first time around in our drafty, damp council maisonette in southeast London in 1976. Watching it live scared me, and I had nightmares too, I remember that. I actually hid behind our yellow vinyl sofa, which apparently my parents bought secondhand for £7. I found that out yesterday, actually. And £7 was a fortune back then. I have to say, bravo Monsieur Hinchcliffe. He succeeded again, scaring me silly. See The Ark in Space, which I covered in Crash episode 327. This story is clearly Frankenstein in space, or Frankenstein on an alien planet. There's a mad scientist, Mahendri Solon. His hulking brute of a servant, Kondo, standing in for Igor, and their gothic castle containing a sinister laboratory with body parts and a brain in a jar. A brain actually in a jar. There is also, though, a forbidden temple. There are Buddhist nuns slash Minoan cultic priestesses. There's also occasionally some bits of tropical landscape. So, in addition to Frankenstein, there's also a little bit of King Solomon's Mines, 
1937 and 1950 film, and Lost Horizon from 1937. And by the way, if you haven't seen Lost Horizon, see it. It has influenced so much of pop culture. And from all this, it is again the case that the Doctor Who script has done its usual magpie trick of stealing from a plethora a veritable hodgepodge of other media properties that are just too numerous to mention. If you want to find all the references, and perhaps references that I haven't mentioned, and references that probably differ to mine because I don't religiously read everything that the BBC archive for the old episodes of Doctor Who say, go and have a look at the BBC archive. To do that, just type in the name of the story, and you should find a link. Let's talk about the Sisterhood of Khan. I initially liked the Sisterhood because of their exploration of inner space, their fine tuning of psionic powers, and the mysticism, which is in direct contrast to the Time Lords, gadget and tech-mad culture. I find it fascinating that such opposing cultures should evolve from the same species on the same world, Gallifrey. I say that I initially liked the Sisterhood because I suddenly stopped liking them when they decided to sacrifice the Doctor to the Sacred Flame by burning him alive. I think that was rather nasty. The final thing that I have to say about the Sisterhood is, given such links in their culture and their costume design to Eastern mysticism, it is a pity that all the actresses playing the Sisters were white. Near the beginning of the story, when the Doctor exits the TARDIS in a huff, I was struck that the Doctor may not be displaying the petulance of youth when he sulks about the Time Lords diverting his ship, but is showing us the obstinacy of very old age. And that impression is furthered when, during the mind-bending contest, we see several faces of the Doctor's previous regenerations before the William Hartnell Doctor. Oh, and by the way, those faces were played by members of the production crew, including Philip Hinchcliffe, who for some reason, every time I see his name, I want to say Peter Hinchcliffe. Sorry about that, totally irrelevant. Anyway, those previous incarnations, avatars, regenerations, become important in New Who's The Timeless Children storyline, which I hope they continue with. One of the things I thought was funny, re-watching this as an adult, was why was Morbius's brain so big? It was so big it would require an absolutely massive head to fit that thing, a head much bigger than Tom Baker's. I know the reason, but it's silly anyway. I get it. It's 
only a prop, and the prop had to be big enough to see on low-resolution TV screens of the time. But still, every time someone stands near it, like Sara, we get a sense of scale, and we realise that the size of it is ridiculous. And yes, I know I'm nitpicking as an adult, because none of this really mattered back when I was a terrified child. Another thing that I've noticed in the last story and this story is that Sara does a lot of rescuing the Doctor, which I'm really appreciating, because it is so annoying seeing the Doctor as an infallible, immortal god, which is what we see in New Who. He does occasionally really rely on his companions to help him out, and not under his direction, but of their own accord. Okay, let's move on to something else. There was just so much Doctor Who lore in this adventure. There's the rift and uneasy peace between the Sisterhood of Khan and the Time Lords of Gallifrey. And, by the way, this story is the story that does introduce the Sisterhood of Khan. There's the rebellious cult of Morbius, led by evil Time Lord and war criminal Morbius. There's Morbius's execution on Khan, referred to in this story which happens after the invasion is halted with the help of the Time Lords. You could, in fact, fill several books, audio dramas, and other stuff with references to the events of this story, and I'm sure that's what's happened. All over old and new Doctor Who. That's what I thought. Let's move on to some trivia. Unsurprisingly, morality campaigner Mary Whitehouse complain. If you're not from the UK, or even if you are from the UK but not of my age, you probably don't remember her, but she was a member of the public who campaigned vociferously to tone down what she believed was content inappropriate for children. She said that the brain of Morbius contained some of the sickest and most horrific material seen on children's television. By the way, that quote is found in lots and lots of different places, but I can't find the primary source of this oft-cited quote. While I don't agree with it, because I remember years of her complaining about just about everything, the Brain of Morbius is still one of the most adult stories I remember seeing. It was a pure Hinchcliffe horror joint. And as I said before, it succeeded in evoking terror in me. Finally, there is a point in the dialogue when the Doctor says, I had a little drink about an hour ago. This is a line from an English song from the 1920s, 1925, called, and I know everyone knows the name of the song because of Jaws, Show Me the Way to Go Home. It was later covered by Emerson, Lake and Palmer, but really made famous as a line Quint sings in Jaws. 
1975, the year before this story was broadcast. But I wonder if Tom Baker ad-libbed that line because he had seen Jaws, or he knew that it was a much older song. That is it. That is it for The Brain of Morbius from 1976. Those are the things that happen. Those are the things I thought. Please join me again soon. The show is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Martha, a writer. Martha is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. Yes, I've said that a million times. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMartha.com. If you want to help me and the show, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen and recommend it to a friend or enemy. If you want to support me in other ways, like buying me a coffee, go to my website, RoyMartha.com, click on support, and you'll find a way of tipping me a small amount of galactic credits. Your ears... I hope, have been delighted by listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, Crash, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd, and creative wizard. This was episode number 350, recorded on Thursday the 17th of December 2020, and the time at the end of the show is 33 minutes and 17 seconds in the morning. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye.